0: Girl Roundup. Yeah!
1: Love it. Welcome back, Rich Girls and Boys, to the Rich Girl Roundup weekly discussion of the Money with Katie show. I'm your host, Katie Gatti Tossan, and today Hannah and I are talking about the reality of layoffs. The tech and media sectors have been hit especially hard this go-around. Before we dive in, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Right Before we get into this week's topic, I just wanted to tell you all about next week's podcast episode. So I wrote it over Christmas break, quote-unquote Christmas break, even though we're in the working world now, it'll always be that in my mind. And it was kind of inspired by this annual review process I did, and it just unlocked this super-powerful shift in how I was kind of scheduling my day and structuring my week. And we get a little bit into goal stacking. So it's going to be a super tactical and actionable episode. I think y'all are going to love it. So that's next Wednesday. I will give you a little teaser by saying that one of the takeaways that I had for my goals moving forward for 2023 and the way that I've approached it has actually led to me reading, let's see, it's like uh, late February right now. I've already read 13 books in 2023, and I credit this system with helping me do it. So I think there's huge financial implications, and I think y'all are going to love next week's episode on Wednesday, so keep an eye out. So Katie,
0: how are you doing? I'm good. Okay, well, that was boring. Um, I'll head right into the question, which is, it is no secret that we're in the midst of a lot of economic uncertainty. And we've gotten a few questions on what to do if you've been laid off or you think it's something that could happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one such question that we got from a listener named Morgan is, in prepping and coping for a recession, should we stay the course? with saving and investing um, or focus more on saving in the case of layoffs or is there some other alternative? And so given our respective industries, uh, my husband and I have actually gone through this three times now.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I wouldn't say it's because we're bad at our jobs, but it's just kind of a um, a common occurrence in the specific industries we're in. And Katie, you've talked too about how to prepare for losing your job, which we'll link mm-hmm. in the show notes. But I would love to have you kind of start with what's the what's the 101. On what you uh, should do. You're going to kick this can to me. Okay, I financially. So that I can't get sued if this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Just
1: kidding. Well, getting laid off is obviously very stressful. It's a very disruptive life event. When we're talking about the financial doomsday prep that you want to think about, I have a few different kind of pillars of the, the layoff plan, which is figuring out what cash you have on hand readily available to you. So doing a little inventory. And obviously, if you have brokerage accounts or liquid investment accounts, we'll call them, that will work. But we definitely want to get a sense for like actual cash that could be withdrawn imminently if you needed it, just to know. And then using that to calculate your current runway. like How much life does that cash translate to? Mm -hmm. Because then you kind of have a sense for okay, what would my situation look like? Am I in a position where if I were to lose my income tomorrow, I'd be cool for a few months? Is it that I actually wouldn't even be able to pay rent next month? Like, what is the situation? Because you always want to cash is king when you're in a situation like that. Then I think if it were to get to the point where you were pretty confident that something might be coming, obviously you're probably also doing job searching and things of that nature. And Hannah, I know you'll talk about some of the other elements, but just purely financially, I think at that point, you kind of start to try to pre-identify costs that you could cut to lengthen Mm. that runway, to buy more life, right? So like any high ticket discretionary expenses that you could begin to either cut back on now so that you're starting to pad that savings cushion or that you know If you had to, you could nix them and you could get a little bit more time out of that cash cushion. And then I think the final thing is just examining your liabilities and shoring up any liabilities that are stretching you thin. So maybe you just bought two new cars or like that's an extreme example. But if you have anything where it feels like a liability that you could probably actually offload if you were thinking, okay, my industry was hit really hard. It might actually be kind of difficult for me to find similarly paid employment for a while. It's not going to happen quickly. And I have a lot of liabilities right now. I think it's also important to be like, what could I sell or what could I offload in the short term that is not really necessary, but again, would just buy me more time. Mm -hmm. And then I hate this one, but determine if you need to get health insurance, like do a little shopping around if you're not going to be covered by a spouse's plan And if that is something that you are going to need, if you were to lose your job, I think it is worthwhile just to feel kind of prepped and to know what you're getting yourself into if it comes to that. What is it going to cost every month to pay for just catastrophic, high-deductible health insurance? That's kind of the number one thing that
0: outside of like shelter and food, that's like a non-negotiable for me. Mm -hmm. The three times we've been through it, it has been like, what is the health insurance that we're going to get immediately. (laughs) So we are covered mostly because I believe that luck in my life likes to throw it in there like a little injury when when it's the worst time. Kick you when you're down. (laughs) Yeah, literally. That's a great point. I would say the other kind of nuance that a lot of people don't always know is that you want to apply for unemployment right away because it takes up to eight weeks just to get that first check. And for example, when my husband just went through it. He literally started a new job the week that he got his first check. So there were there was a huge gap where mm. we weren't having any income and we were really living off of our savings. And then, of course, the first week's paycheck or whatever came in, they'll pay you up for the amount of time that you're out of work. So he got six weeks or eight weeks or whatever in, in a lump sum later. But you at least want to put the request in right away because it they usually have to do a vetting process. They want to see that you're actually actively applying to new jobs. It's not just a one and done, Mm -hmm. um, which I think some people don't realize. And when I went through it as well in New York, like I had to go in every week to prove that I was searching for jobs. I had to attend job seminars. So there's a lot of moving pieces. Um, do you think it's worth it? I think it depends on your situation. Like supplementally, So California was more generous than New Jersey and New York were um, with the unemployment checks. And it was enough that it was able to at least get by on the bare bones of having some income. It obviously wasn't enough that we had a ton laying
1: around, Mm -hmm. but it was substantial. So it's worthwhile with the kind of bureaucratic headache you'd still say definitely still do it. Yeah.
0: I mean, if it's obviously doesn't apply if you quit your own job, but Yeah. If you've been fired, I don't see why you wouldn't want to at least try. And then Mm -hmm. if you feel like it's too much, you don't have to follow through. Um, But at least signing up and going through that first round, I think, is, is worthwhile. And then the other piece is to remember the rights that you have as an employee. So you don't want to feel pressured to sign an NDA in exchange for a severance or go through the process and just kind of like sign paperwork without checking what you're signing off for. Because one thing also that people don't know is that severance can be negotiable. So that is worth having the conversation with the employer or saying, you know, I don't really feel comfortable with these conditions. Like, I don't want to not be able to talk about this. So I'm going to turn down the severance if you're in that position. Or I actually have been here for 12 years and I think it would make more sense if I got a little bit like whatever. And so that's something else to consider too.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like that. So, like, obviously, if you think that you're in a position where you might be about to be without work, you're not going to be feeling great, most likely. Like, you're not going to be in your most energized, creative, and, you know, operating from a place of security mental state. But I do think that sometimes it's worth thinking about how there is the other side of the coin here that To every bad event, there is usually some door that opens as a result and that it can be, in some cases, a redirection opportunity. And sometimes we don't realize how badly we need to change until a decision like that is made for us. I've had a couple friends that have been in this scenario where they weren't super happy, but the pay was good and they were considering doing something else. That's not to discount the pain of of such an experience or the emotional and financial stress of going through it. But I do know a couple entrepreneurs personally who their businesses were born in the wake of a layoff out of necessity and opportunity that did not exist before. So I think that like as negative and as scary as it can be, I don't want to neglect to be like, but there is hope and like there are (laughs) this can actually work out better for you, even if it feels in the moment like all is lost. And that's on toxic positivity. No, I'm just
0: kidding. There's also the other side of it, right? Which is that we know that companies are raking in record profits. Mm -hmm. So I think it's also okay to be like really critical and angry and upset with saying that they need to do layoffs or that. Oh, for sure. Obviously, I'm not saying that you shouldn't feel one or the other way. But the other thing I want to talk about kind of piggybacking off of that is the psychological impact as well of getting laid off. Mm -hmm. And it's something that to this day, my husband and I talk about all the time. And when I got laid off from one job, like I went to therapy for a year after that to just kind of get over the PTSD of that situation. And so I want to say that there's no shame in seeking help Mm -hmm. or in getting laid off in the first place. It's usually not very personal. It's not like you, Katie, are the person that we want to get rid of. Mm -hmm. Um, and also that there's really no judgment in doing what you need to do, whether that's moving back home or taking part-time work or putting it out there on LinkedIn. I know that there's a lot of, like, taboo about talking about it publicly, but I don't think that there should be because you also don't know where your next opportunity could come from. Exactly. And to your point, it could be, like, the stepping stone you needed to get to something that you're excited about and loving and makes more money than before.
1: Yeah, absolutely i definitely it's your joke about toxic positivity i never want to make it sound like oh it's so easy just go do something like no not at all this is obviously like a very scary um thing nobody wants this to happen i remember during the pandemic when i worked for an airline there was talks of furloughs mm. cuz the airlines basically overnight became completely unprofitable and had like 8 weeks of cash and so it was like oh okay the writing's on the wall here even if i have a job and then like next month I know that they'll probably take years to recover from this. And I remember calling my dad like freaking out and saying, hey, if I lose my job and everything goes to crap, can I move back in? Like if that if it came to that, could I like pay to live in the basement? And he was like, yeah, like, of course you could, which obviously there's privilege in having parents that are willing to let you move home for sure, but I don't know. For me personally, even just knowing that it could happen, getting my ducks in a row ahead of time while I still had the job made me feel so much less stressed about it. Cause I was like, well, now I have a game plan. Like if the worst happens, I'm going to do this with the money. I'm going to potentially move out of this apartment and go somewhere else, or I'm going to have this person move. Like just having a plan made such a difference in my psychological state during that time where like we didn't know day to day. I have a question for you. So do you
0: think that obviously we want to operate from an abundance mindset for money and like our goals, but do you think that there's a benefit here in operating from a scarcity mindset if you think this is coming?
1: For sure. I honestly think- oh man, to open the abundance versus scarcity can of worms. I think you have to apply them selectively. I think you have to apply an abundance mindset from an opportunity standpoint. Mm. Like there's always more opportunity out there for me. There's always more, like you gotta be playing offense, right? And that requires believing that it's possible. But I think financially, actually operating from a scarcity mindset and thinking all of this could disappear at any moment can keep you on your toes playing defense in the ways that, will protect your downside and will protect you from making foolish decisions. So I think in a layoff scenario, kind of hoping for the best, expecting the worst makes a lot of sense to me personally for my personality type. So my scarcity mindset is good. I'm I'm going to weather anything. Yeah. This is why you're going to be very <laughs> successful. Paranoia, right? Constructive paranoia. Constructive it's paranoia, yeah. Using it to fuel you instead of kind of give you that um, analysis paralysis of like, I don't know what to do next. It's like, how can you constructively harness that anxiety to propel you in in a productive direction? And that's on toxic productivity. (laughs) (laughs) This has been toxicity with Katie during last.
0: (laughs) I don't disagree that seeing things as opportunities and like welcoming opportunities. I've been seeing this trend that basically has these girls who wake up and they say like, I welcome any and all great opportunities into my life within the first ten minutes because apparently you can like influence your brain waves in the first ten minutes to think that great things are. I don't know. It was something mm. that basically invited good things to happen to you. I don't know if you believe in manifestation like that, but I don't think it hurts.
1: So it loses me a little bit when it starts getting supernatural. But I do think that the power <laughs> of manifestation is just in clarity of vision. And Mm-mm. you are more likely to notice opportunities and notice luck when you are attempting to manifest certain things or call things in or whatever the jargon is. Like, we just spend so much of our lives sleepwalking and kind of, ooh, yeah, like, you're just kind of going cake. through the motions. When you're focused on manifesting something, you're really just applying all of your attention and awareness toward one thing, which I think is very powerful. I think that's a great note to end on. <sighs> Thank you. We really took a hard left there. We did. But thank you for listening to Rich Girl Roundup. This was an interesting journey we just went on together. We'll be back with another, hopefully more concise, take.